Hey guys, Alexa Curtis here, and you are listening to a new episode of The New Unfiltered. By the time this airs, we will be so close to February, which is when the next Be Fearless Summit will be. If you follow me on social media, if you don't, my Instagram is at Alexa underscore Curtis, and the website is lifeunfilteredwithalexa.com. You'll see that I have decided probably for the most part to step away from summits next year after this Yukon one and focus on building this app that I'm really excited about. And I had this idea about a year ago, which is when I launched Mentor Match. And I just feel like it feels like the natural progression of the company. And so I'm really excited about that and am thrilled to kind of embark on this new venture in my career. But for the podcast today, I'm really excited as well because I am in LA and I am interviewing my OBGYN, my gynecologist. And I have had so many over the years because I've lived in so many different cities. And finally, I have found the one that I don't care where I live at this point, I will fly to LA and I will go into Dr. Goslin's office for anything that I am struggling with or even just questions that I have. He also interviewed me on my, on his podcast about something that I, which is how I found him, struggled with for a while, which is this thing called Bartholin cysts. And I never really opened up about it until now. So definitely, if you feel like you may have experienced that, listen to the podcast episode because I talk about my story, how I found him, and he gets into a ton of advice for you guys. But before I introduce him in, I wanted to gear this episode towards predominantly birth control. And the reason that I'm so fascinated by that topic is because I listened to a podcast episode on the Skinny Confidentials podcast probably two years ago now. And she interviewed the founder of this birth control called Fexi. And her story, this founder's story, really stood out to me. And it actually is one of the reasons that I got off of my IUD. And Dr. Goslin is the person that I saw when I got it removed. And I'm uh, super excited to have him here today to chime in on this topic. So thank you for being here. Oh, you're welcome, Alexa. Thanks for having me. Well, give me some background. Give us all some background into how you even got into doing this line of work before I interrogate you with my questions. Yeah, that's it. Thank you for asking. So I'm actually a second generation OBGYN. My dad is. I actually saw my first delivery when I was six years old. I grew up in France till I was 11. And um, I've always been around women's health. I mean, that's just been the topic in my household that's always was very comfortable. And so I never had the intention when I went through medical school that I was going to become a gynecologist. Matter of fact, I really didn't want to do it initially because I saw how hard my dad worked. And he always missed my games and he was always delivering babies. And But when I did my rotations and I did my first delivery... I called him, I'll never forget this, I was in New York City, and I was applying to residencies, and I was thinking either plastics, urology, and I called him and I said, you know, Dad, I want to do what you do. And not one single day of my entire career have I gotten out of bed and said, oh, I hate my work. I love what I do. I love educating people. You know, it's a happy type practice. I don't see a lot of cancer cases. There's not a lot of deaths. It's it's really just personal relationship building, helping women through issues they have. And it's one of these things where you're in practice both in the office, in the hospital, you're operating, but yet you've got a really strong clinical um, relationship with your patients. So for me, it, it sort of, it, it, it crossed off all the checkboxes on what I wanted to do. When I found you, it was because I was struggling with having these cysts that were reoccurring. Now, when I came to you, I wasn't expecting you to become my gynecologist I honestly just was like I'm gonna go in and see you for this procedure and I think what really stood out to you when I came into your office is at the time I do believe I had had the IUD I had had 
I started getting on the pill, I think, when I was 17. And then my mom was just really against the pill for whatever reason and kind of coerced me into getting the IUD. And so I was on that for a while. And you, to me, were just the person who I felt so comfortable asking these questions to, who really honestly answered them. So what is your overall perspective right now on birth control in America, on the women who are coming into you, what they're struggling with, what they're dealing with as repercussions to birth control, all of that? So bottom line, when it comes to birth control, first of all, you know, there's things have changed and developed and progressed over the years that there's really an ars- a huge arsenal um, available to us um, of different types of birth control that can really help match your best lifestyle, what you're looking to achieve. Um, for example, you know, taking a birth control pill is great, and I, I highly recommend it. But for a lot of people, remembering to take the pill every day is really tough, and they forget. Maybe they're in college. They lead busy lives. They, they skip pills, and then all of a sudden they get, they get a lot of breakthrough bleeding, and the efficacy of the birth control pill decreases. So that may not be a great option. Like you, Alexa, you're on an IUD. I'm a huge fan of the IUD. There's different types. They've actually improved so much over the years. You know, IUDs had a really bad rap in the 70s. Uh, but the IUDs today, you've got non-hormonal IUDs, so for some reason if you're not able to take hormones, you don't want to take hormones, or you have risk factors that don't allow you to take birth control. Listen, not everybody can take birth control. So for example, just an easy one, let's say you're a smoker. Well, you're not a great candidate to be taking anything with estrogen well, in it. I didn't it. know that. Yeah, because it increases your risk of blood clots, of, 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 of other issues involved, such as stroke. So you have to be really careful. Or if you get migraine headaches, you may not be a good candidate for estrogen-based birth control. So most IUDs either have progesterone-only medication in it or are made from copper. It's called Paragard, and they have, they're non-hormonal, and they last. And, and the nice thing about IUDs is once they're in, you don't have to do anything, mm-hmm. right? So that's the pro. So let's say you're 20 years old, you're about to go to college, and you really want the easiest, most effective, and least hassle type of birth control. IUDs are a great option because... Look, it's a little uncomfortable when anybody places them, but there's new ones made for young women who've never had kids, so they're tiny. They're easier to, to slip in through the cervix into the uterus. They don't last as long, but they last three years. That's a long time. But the good news is they're effective the moment you place them, and you don't have to worry about it. And there's no estrogen, so if you are a smoker or if you have a contraindication or you just don't want that potential possibility of, of water retention or weight gain, or sometimes the, the pill with estrogen can make you a little more emotional than you're used to. Mm-hmm. Some of these IUDs are great options. Yeah. The downside to the IUDs is sometimes, you know, we have to leave a little bit of string left at the cervix so that when the next person comes, they can easily pull it out. Well, guess what? Sometimes that string either gets buried over the years into the cervix and it's really hard to get out. And then very, very rare, like so rare, maybe once in my career have I had to take somebody to the operating room, put a camera through their cervix into the uterus, identify the location of the IUD, and remove it. I think the bigger factor is sometimes your partner may feel it during intercourse. Mm-hmm. And that can be really frustrating because a lot of the strings are a little hard, and they can be very uncomfortable, and all of a sudden, you know, you'll be running to my office saying, oh, my God, my partner told me it hurt him so much, and... I mean, I don't want to to take this out, but what we can do is trim the string 
um, to make it a little bit smaller. And sometimes I tell everybody this, look, no birth control is a prison sentence. So even if I say that birth control is good for three to five years, a lot of times a year later you meet, you meet the perfect person and you're ready to start a family, you come in, we pull it out, and there you go. Yeah. Right? Or if you don't like it, you don't like the way it makes you feel, same thing. Um, so those are the pros and cons of IUDs. The other con to the IUD, but really I don't even know if it's a con, is it's, it's, you'll sometimes read that IUDs increase the risk of ectopic pregnancies. That's pregnancies that are, that are formed outside of the uterus in the fallopian tubes or somewhere else. The reality is if you compare ectopic pregnancies to the general population, patients with IUDs have less ectopic pregnancies because, remember, it's 99% effective. And this time, we're not, it's not subjective on how often you remember. This is true efficacy because once it's in, it's in. It's not, we're not relying on you taking a birth control pill. So the risk of ectopic pregnancy is actually less. But if you do get pregnant and you have an IUD in, it is more complicated because, one, there's a higher incidence of a pregnancy developing outside the uterus. And second, if it does develop inside the uterus, all of a sudden you've got an IUD in the uterus where there's a pregnancy. So what do you do? Do you pull out the IUD? Do you leave it in and let the pregnancy develop? Well, you actually are recommended to pull it out. And if you do, there's really most likely you're going to miscarry. So, so there are some downsides. But again, these downsides are rare because the incidence of pregnancy is so low. So those are the only downsides to IUDs. And like I said, if, if you don't like the way it makes you feel, you just come in and we remove it. It's actually easier to take out than it is to put in. I want to preface this conversation, too, by saying I never had any issues with my IUD. I was on the pill. I got off of it, and I had the IUD. It was the non-hormonal one, and it, I think it was Marina, Skyla. So non-hormonal is Paragard. Paragard. Okay, so that's what I had, and it was three years, and I got it taken out, and I think it was two years. I never had any issues. The issue for me was that I... Just when I listened to that episode of that that doctor who described her experience with the pill, I felt like I was old enough to be responsible enough to where I just didn't want this foreign object in my body. Now, a few things you said definitely seem like the most se severe cases. I do have a, a friend of mine from Boston. She did have an atopic pregnancy but was also told – and she had an IUD. That was so rare. Um, my – I, I remember my ex-boyfriend also, he had an issue sometimes with the strings, but we would only feel it if we were sleeping together during, I like when I would have my period, it must drop in some way. But I think the biggest thing for me is going off of it, I feel like a lot in every part of my body better, also mentally and physically. I definitely lost weight after that. However, I think birth control, I'm still a big advocate for it. But I'm curious, in your opinion, is there one form that you think is the best for people for young women in their 20s to be looking into? Is it the IUD? I mean, I would, I would probably say the answer is twofold. One, I really, the, the night, because we have so many different kinds, when you see your healthcare provider, they're going to really try to customize the birth control based on your risk factors, based on what you're looking to get from the birth control. And third, also your lifestyle. Right, and and that brings me to another question. By the way, there is no birth control that's going to protect you from STDs, you guys. So even if you're taking the pill, the IUD, and you're not in a monogamous relationship, you still should wear protection every time you have intercourse because, regardless of the birth control type, you're still at risk for any type of STD. But probably the easiest, if if somebody was coming in for a first time birth control consultation, and let's say they're like you when you first had it, and they're 17 years old, well. Teenagers, we know, 
have a hard time because they're more prone to acne. They're more prone to irregular periods, um, more severe cramps. And that's because the pituitary, which is a gland in your brain, and the, your ovaries, there's a, there's a pituitary hypothalamus access with your ovary. And it's not quite mature in your teenage years. And so putting somebody on birth control pill in their teenage years, maybe not even used for, for, for pregnancy prevention. It could be used for acne yeah. prevention, for birth control, uh, for, for regulating your cycle, for making your cycle less heavy, less crampy. There's so many reasons why we, we choose certain birth control. So, for example, if you came in and you had really heavy periods, um, you know, we would sit down and talk about birth control, IUDs, but the, for example, the non-hormone IUD would be useless to us because it wouldn't do anything to affect or change or improve your periods or your acne because there's no hormones in it, right? So you really want to base it on somebody's history. That's so interesting. I don't know if any of you guys remember this episode, but I first came across like birth control, I think, on a Keeping Up With The Kardashians episode years ago when Kendall Jenner was like 12 years old and she had to go on birth control because of her acne. Now, I never struggled. I never, I'm really lucky. I never had a heavy period. Like I've never really struggled with acne. That being said, I mean, I only really went on it because of intercourse. So I never experienced that, but I totally see that someone would use that as, uh, you know, a measure to fix any of those things that they're struggling with. I actually have a good friend of mine and she has called me so many times that her gynecologist is so pro birth control. And I think that a little bit different from you when I feel like you're a lot more accommodating and understanding. A lot of young women go into a gynecologist and are almost forced to get on the pill, forced to get on some type of protection. And I totally understand it. But I also think that there's a larger conversation there towards long-term goals and um, just overall how well you're feeling. So would you say that from what you've noticed that it is a huge push in the U.S. to get women on birth control? Well, I, I think birth control is very accepted in the United States, and, and, and it's not a taboo subject or a topic. And so, you know, moms aren't nervous or, or shy away from having that discussion with their daughters. Um, I think that, you know, young women come to my practice, and they're being smart. They're going to college, and they don't want to get pregnant. They, they, they're, they have aspiring careers. They, 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 they want to make sure that they're protected or for other reasons like acne, painful periods, whatever the reason. Um, but, you know, I think we, d we are very open and, and, and we definitely promote birth control use widely in the United States. I, I don't know that I've ever heard, I don't know any physicians who really push, like purposely push birth control on anybody who doesn't need it or doesn't want it or is not a good candidate, if that's your question. Yeah, I think it's more so just the fear of, pregnancy for the provider and I totally understand that but I also think because there are so many options I would just certainly say as you mentioned going in and really analyzing all of them instead of just jumping to the pill and so when I actually changed from the pill and went to the IUD I tried to get a lot of my girlfriends to do the same thing just especially after I listened to this episode with this doctor and whatnot uh, but the biggest the biggest concern for all of them is they're like I'm too scared of the pain they are too scared of the pain of the IUD and I totally get that I have to say when I first got it in it's it's like a tr tr slightly traumatic experience I mean that is a type of pressure and a pain that you can't even really pinpoint all I can say is it is totally worth it and it is over so fast. But why when you put an IUD in, is there that like shock to this that just moment of just terror and pain? Yeah, I mean, I mean great question and and you're right. Look, putting IUDs is no walk in the park. 
it's it's not my favorite thing to do not because it's complex or difficult because it makes people feel yeah. uncomfortable and it, it's it's very crampy so first of all just to the listeners out there if you do choose an iud and you're really nervous about the pain i usually recommend that my patients take some motrin or some advil uh, a few hours before the procedure just to lessen some of those cramps because when you put a foreign object inside the uterus your body is going to react and, and basically is like, what what is going on here? What is in my uterus? And so you're, you're going to get a lot of contraction type pains. And not only that, I have to, I always describe it as the cervix as like the front door, right? You have to open the front door. And for women who've never had babies, this is the first time their cervix has ever been dilated. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, I have to use an instrument. They're called dilators. And I have to start with the smallest size and incrementally go up until I get to the size of the diameter of the IUD. There's the, the IUDs today have different diameters. That's why I mentioned there's some new ones made for women who haven't had children because the diameter is much smaller. So I don't have to dilate them as much, which makes it a lot easier to insert. Um, the other thing is, look, if you if you go with a partner maybe, and you have somebody to drive you home, maybe you can ask them to give you something to relax, like a Xanax or something before the procedure. But it's quick for the most part. Um, but it is super crampy, not very fun. Look, we've had, you know, I always let patients, I, I, I do not rush post-insertion IUD patients off the table because, believe it or not, I've have had some syncope episodes where they get passiauti. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, and while I'm inserting it, or even after, I had one patient, it was so scary, she left my office, walked down the hallway to the elevator and passed out. Yeah. And, and all of that from an IUD insertion. Now, you guys, that's rare again. I've inserted hundreds of IUDs, and I can maybe tell you five horrible stories, if that. So, so for the most part, they're really easy to place. I just, I think educating the patient on what to expect helps mm-hmm. a lot instead of just like not saying anything, going into the room and then, you know, nobody even wants to put their legs on the stirrups. That's not comfortable. And let alone now you've got a speculum and somebody's grabbing uh, with a sharp object, your cervix and inserting an IUD. It's a little traumatizing, that's for sure. So really, I think making people aware, aware of what's going to happen yeah. mentally prepares them and then giving them the option of taking something. And, and actually, I forgot, sometimes we'll even use a medication called misoprostol. Misoprostol helps to dilate your cervix a little bit. So if you take it the night before, the morning of your procedure, it makes it a lot easier for your provider and yourself to undergo the procedure because that medication sort of has been uh-huh. working to dilate your cervix even before you get to the office. I wonder if that came out before I probably got my first IUD, or I mean so, after, because I never, I don't think I ever got that option. So mysoprostol has been around for decades. Uh-huh. So it was definitely around when you had it. Probably because I wasn't going. It's to not used to. It's not used very often. It's yeah. just an option. But I also, I also want to mention, you know, when it first went in, then when it comes out after I think it, I, that three or five year period, and then when it went back in, it didn't feel like it did the first time. When it came out, it didn't feel like it. But I think the biggest issue with specifically the IUD that I think a lot of girls don't want to go to it. And like I said, I only got it out because I just, I woke up one day and was like, I just don't want an object in my body for whatever reason. It's because you're asking your girlfriends and they're coming to you with these horror stories. So if you're listening to what they're saying, you're going to be already scared. But really, this is not like, of all the things that you could deal with, it's literally nothing. And it's literally 15 seconds of just uncomfortableness. Uh, So I want to ask you though, what is the difference? And why is there a difference between hormonal ones and non-hormonal ones? Because I don't understand why anyone would put additional hormones into their body. It doesn't really make sense to me. I mean, great question. Look, 
There's, there's really very few non-hormonal options like the copper IUD, for example. Um, so again, if somebody's coming in for birth control, I usually do recommend hormonal options first. And the reason I do is for the following. So first of all, just to clarify, the IUD releases progesterone in a very slow, sustainable way over a period of time. So it can be three years, five years, or 10 years. Um, all that, though, the progesterone that's released from the IUD is only acting locally on the uterus. So when you have increased progesterone inside the uterus, a couple of things are happening. One, it's, it's thinning the lining, of the, uter- the lining of the uterus, so your periods are really light. So for a lot of people, that's a blessing. Like for them not to get a period or to get a really light period, that's amazing. Um, so that's, that's a reason why to get, for example, a hormonal-based uh, birth control. Second, um, we talked about facial acne. We talked about um, um, some of the other reasons, such as um, helping with cramps or, or painful periods or people sometimes who have endometriosis. Um, the first-line treatment, especially if they're young, before jumping into surgery and evaluations, we'll put them on birth control. And, and, and most of the time, that's all they need because it, it, keeps, it plateaus the hormones so you don't have these huge peaks and troughs of hormone changes during your cycle. And so it really helps to alleviate pain from processes like endometriosis. Um, and for some people who you know, don't feel comfortable knowing that they're taking exogenous hormones or have a, a medical condition that prevents them from taking it, there are some non-hormonal options that are amazing. Um, you just have to realize they're not going to change what your period looks like or feels like now without anything. Um, and you're not going to get the benefits of being on hormones. So the hormone ones, are they hormones, though, that are going to make your boobs a lot bigger and, like, you gain weight? Or are they different kind of hormones that are more going to affect your acne or your period? Uh, so complicated. <laughs> so, look, everybody's so different. Yeah. Alexa, like, you know, if you came to me and your best friend came to me and I put you guys on the exact same birth control, there's a really good chance you guys would have radically different mm-hmm. uh, outcomes. Um, so you can gain a little bit of weight. Um, you can get a little more moody, maybe. Um, so everybody's different. And that's why sometimes, you know, the first time you come in for a birth control option, we may try one pill. I usually start with the lowest dose first. So lowest hormonal dose first. And we test it out, give it a few months. And it's like I said at the very beginning of your show, these are not, you know, we're not we're not sentenced to staying with one birth control. So if you don't love the way it makes you feel, we change it up because there's so many different options. The second question I get asked a lot is, well, I've been on birth control, Dr. G, for 10 years, and I do want to have a family, and is this actually going to affect me having kids down the road? Or I don't know that I feel so comfortable having this extra estrogen, and I don't want to get cancer from this. What are my risks? So these are real questions and, 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 and things that people really struggle to understand, and, and they're scary. So the bottom line is this. Look, studies have shown women who are on hormonal birth control for more than 10 years, consecutive years, that's a long time, actually have shown to have a decrease by 50% in endometrial cancer and ovarian cancer. That's tremendous, right? Also, we've seen that there is no change in the quality of your eggs once you get off birth control. It will be as if you had never been on it. 
Now, certain birth controls, maybe, you know, you may need to wait a month, two months, three months before you start trying. But that's that's something that, that you know, you plan out with your healthcare. So a lot of times when somebody comes in, they're going to get married in January and they don't want to have their period or they don't want to worry about their honeymoon. But then they want to start a family. So we take them off birth control right after their honeymoon and give their body a chance to relax, put them on prenatal vitamins because prenatal vitamins is really recommended optimally to be on it for three months trying before conception. So it gives us a grace period to kind of free your body and get rid of any extra hormones and then start a family. I think for me, when I last came into you, I remember, or even right before maybe when I had gotten it switched out before getting it again, and I was just, I think, interrogating you with questions because I was just trying to understand as I got older, is it normal that I don't have a period? And I actually, I really enjoyed that. I mean, I didn't have a period the whole time of birth control while I had the IUD. Uh, and now I use this app called Flow to kind of like track my cycle and stuff, but that's really odd. Uh, why does that happen? So for the exact reason, so most birth, most birth controls will thin out the lining of your uterus. So think of it. You know, you're, you're, the uterus has uh, inside, it's kind of like a balloon on the inside where the baby grows, but the inside lining thickens, and when you're ready to have your period, it sheds. And, and that shedding is what's causing your bleeding to occur, right? But if, if that birth control you're on is keeping that lining so thin, when it's time for your menstrual cycle to occur, and your body goes through the motion, I don't want you to think that it doesn't, there's nothing to shed from. So you either get just a little tiny bit of spotting or you don't get anything. And yeah. like you, most people love that 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 ability not to worry about their period. Mm -hmm. This has been such an informative discussion, and I know that this could go on for hours about birth totally. control. But what would you suggest, if I could ask you one last thing, I would say if you are a woman right now who's on birth control and is struggling with side effects, like what type of side effects in theory besides, say, anxiety, which I feel like I dealt with all the time on birth control off of it, what type of side effects should stand out to you that you should go and get seen and potentially switch your birth control? I think if you start getting migraine headaches, especially with aura, that means like you get you get some sort of smell before your migraine headache comes on. That's a big no-no. Make sure you definitely tell your healthcare provider because you want to switch birth control. Let's say that uh, you're on birth control and you start noticing a lot of tenderness in your calves. Mm -hmm. You know, we want to make sure that you don't have any blood clots or clots. And so you want to get what's called Doppler ultrasounds of your lower extremities. So these are little things that are big red flags in the hormone world. Or let's say you started smoking and you became a smoker. Or you just found out that your mom has breast cancer and she's really young and you tested positive for what's called the BRCA gene, mm -hmm. uh, which is a whole different conversation. These are all things that when I talk about taking somebody's medical history and, 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 not, and not, that's why I don't consider any birth control as just my go-to because it really depends on all of these different factors in order to match somebody with their best option. Well, thank you so much for offering all this insight. Where can everyone find you on social media or book an appointment with you? Um, thank you. It was actually a lot of fun being here on with you. So you guys, you can find me on my website is davidgosland.com, davidgosland.com. I'm on Instagram at davidgoslandmd. And my office phone number is 310-393-9359. And I um, look forward to meeting anybody. And thank you so much. You literally have changed my life in every way from birth control to the cyst that I had. So I just can't 
recommend or recommend anyone even listening to you more than I already do because you are just you are just a game changer in this space. Uh, and I will end the podcast episode as well by saying that the one birth control that I did come across that I actually really like is this one called Fexi and there's coupons online and uh, I know you might interview the founder hopefully and we're looking forward to hearing that. Uh, and I, I found that honestly to be a really good non-hormonal, it's kind of like an on-the-go birth control, but I think that I think it's very important for anyone who is looking into birth control or even looking into some of these non-traditional options like Effexi to either be in more of a monogamous relationship or at least be very careful with how you use it because it is just a higher risk factor overall. It's not as easy to use as an IUD. Uh, But I have used it and I enjoy it and definitely would suggest you guys look into it too. But besides that, you can follow the podcast on social media at The New Unfiltered as well as my personal social media at Alexa underscore Curtis. And I'll see you guys here back next week for a new episode.